What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Gabe. And today we're doing, for the first time in Tentacle Bop history, is we're actually doing a twofer. Um, so you're getting the mad value on this one. Um, Gabe, what are we reviewing today? Yeah, today's going to be a kind of our, our zombie extravaganza. We're going to be discussing uh, the Double Wears Prada in almost in its entirety here. We're going to be discussing 2010's Zombie EP, 2021's Zombie uh, Z2, and uh, we're going to touch up on a couple of things, uh, including Space EP, which released in 2015. Matt, uh, going just kind of jumping right in here, um, let's go ahead and discuss Zombie EP first, since it was kind of the forefront that set all of this stuff in motion. Um, what were your overall impressions on that EP? So um, I, it, it's funny because I actually remember very vividly the first time I heard anything off of Space EP. I could tell you exactly where I was. Space EP? I'm sorry, Zombie EP. <laughs> it, it's fine. Um, I, I can remember exactly where I was when I first heard it. And it's, um, you know, you, you see a very, it was a strong departure from what I was used to with their Dear Love and Plagues, as well as even the With Roots Above and Branches Below material. Um, and it was just immediately, it captured my attention and I was like, this is, this is going to be a roller coaster and I'm all for it. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful beast. Um, how about you? So like, this was the EP that started it all for me. The, um, I had casually listened to the Devil Wars product beforehand Mm -hmm. and some of the songs and stuff like that, but they were never like one of those bands that I just thought was amazing until this album came out. Um, from front to back, it's just a straight banger. And it was like all the rage. Like they, it, it was really the Devil Wars product, like at their peak at the time. Mm-hmm. And it absolutely showed. They were able to like capitalize on the growing zombie phenomenon um, throughout just kind of America, really, at the time yeah. without sacrificing who they were. And like it didn't completely drastically change their sound, but it was enough to differentiate it from previous records. And, um, yeah. I, I, I love this album. It, it'll always hold a special place in my heart and absolutely holds the number one spot in my ranking of their discography. Okay. And on, and I can completely understand that. And as somebody who has, um, actually this and another, the divorce Prada record in my top 10 of all time favorite records is, you know, it, it shows that it's just that much of a masterpiece. And really, if you look at what the, the EP does is it takes what the divorce Prada did on with roots above and branches below and kind of cranks it to 11 is you see the riffs really being pushed to the forefront. You see the speed getting pushed up. Um, and one of the things is they really, um, the band had stated that it was paying homage to Hatebreed as well as Slayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the nice things is that was actually really pulled back is if you listen to the keys on it, as opposed to it being the kind of electronic core that the Devil Wars Prada is known for, is Zombies' keys actually felt like more trying to build the atmosphere of the record as opposed to, oh, let me you know have some kind of almost dance beat, if you will. Like if you listen to the keys in the chorus of Assistant to the Regional Manager and you listen to the keys on the Zombie EP, is it's almost a night and day difference. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, I'd say that's a, a fairly decent segue moving into the musical impressions of it. Um, th- this album front to back was just stupid heavy. It's disgusting. And <laughs> the, the one thing I, I noticed is, and I, I've kind of thought about it is the guitar tone is very reminiscent of a chainsaw. Absolutely. Like the, 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 the overall just tone mixing production, everything about this album is just on cloud nine. Mm-hmm. Like from th- th- there really isn't a spot on here where I'm like, Hey, they 
probably should have EQ'd this different. They should yeah. have gone with a different tone here. They should have backed this off, et cetera. Like, just from beginning to end, starting on on uh, Escape and all the way through to Survivor, like, they just don't have a bad part of this album. Yeah, no, it's really just a just a blitzkrieg of sound, and it's just a blitzkrieg of heavy. Um, and actually, I think this is probably, because uh, Joey Sturgis was actually the one who mm-hmm. did the production on this one, is I think this is about where the peak of Joey Sturgis's work is, and kind of right in the middle um, kind of towards some of the tail end of the the real big metalcore craze, especially with like the um, Asking Alexandria of Mice and Men kind of era, if you mm-hmm. will, um, and just kind of coming off some of the that as emo I think metalcore is, years, yeah, if you really exactly, will. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you definitely hear that this this really is the best work for. Um, you know, for the, his production. Um, yeah. and, the and, nice... and this was also the point too, where like Mike's voice was really at its height. Um, mm-hmm. it was prior to him blowing it out and yeah. it just, it, it just always sounded good throughout the entire record from his lows to his highs. He just was able to do awesome things that we hadn't really heard a lot of him, uh, do before. Mm-hmm. And then we didn't get to hear a lot of him do that again for a while. Yeah, no. And I can completely agree with that. The other thing that's really nice musically about this EP is every song is able to differentiate itself from each other is there are aspects where so the, the record blends and simply for the fact that it's like, this is the same release that we're getting it, but everything has its own identity as it has some sort of intro or outro that almost forces like, this is a new song, prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. And it just, it kind of sets the, lets you know, and it's kind of that warning and just like, this is coming. Like, get ready. How did you feel about the overall lyrical content of Z1? It's actually, it's actually really solid. Um, is the how they kind of painted everything is you you get uh under this idea that you know we as humans are trying to understand the beasts that we're fighting. Um, and it's kind of this helplessness against the the zombies that they're trying to fight in this narrative. Um, and you hear you see a lot of anger and sorrow and just depression really in it. Um, especially if you look at Survivor, where it it's going and following this nameless individual who. Um, you know, he's been living on a farm by himself, um, and it, it very clearly states, you know, living on a farm and then uh, talking about his wife had died recently, and it, you know, just very much paints this narrative. Um, and then Escape is just the um, kind of trying to paint the picture of like we cannot feel sympathy for for these hordes that we're having to come up against. So, um, you know, it's really lyrically is it just paints a very strong picture and it definitely enforces the idea that this is supposed to be a very dark, gloomy uh, record and really starts to steer uh, and point to the direction that we would find that the Devourer's Prada is looking to move to. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, When I was going through it, I had originally always just approached this as just like a straight concept record, like beginning to end. And like, obviously it is still a concept record, but whereas most concept records are going to really tell more of a narrative throughout the entirety, this one didn't. And um, I, mm-hmm. I just going back and listening to it, I hadn't really realized that before. So obviously escape is just straight out the gate. It's about running away from zombies. It, yeah. th- that is just the whole concept of that entire song. Anatomy is just about the anatomy of, of zombies. Mm-hmm. And then in Outnumbered, Revive, and Survivor, we actually see more of a narrative being told. Um, and those three are, are my favorites on the record. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like that definitely plays a part into it because then at that point, it's no longer really just about zombies. It's about the situation around it and how it would be dealt with. It's the same reason that things like The Walking Dead uh, became so popular because it was centered around the narrative of people in that situation, not because of the zombies. The zombies were there for a cool factor, but in reality, it was the storytelling and the story writing that was going on prior to like season five or whatever. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, so that, that was definitely something that um, I feel like drew me in uh, to to appreciating those songs a lot more. Yeah, and no, and that that honestly makes sense. It, and I I can definitely see what you're saying is you know escape is very clearly like you know we you you can't feel regret. Um, if your actions include regret, then it's already too late. I mm-hmm. mean, the line right out of the song. You know, it, it, it paints that picture. It's like we have to, you know, we have to escape. And, you know, anatomy again kind of talking about the fact that the, the zombies, they're no longer living. They're dead and, you know, um, freezing to the touch mm-hmm. um, it, to reference the lyrics. So the, the outnumbered Revive and Survivor, I can definitely agree with being the more narrative. I think Survivor's the most narrative. Definitely. And then I think Revive is probably a close second. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then before we uh, move into kind of our rundown of Z2, uh, the artwork on Z1 features a power line uh, with like a foggy background and dark skies um, and just kind of a very ominous uh, appeal to it with just the Devil Wears Prada zombie EP on the front. Um, Matt, what were your uh, thoughts on this album cover? With the, uh, I especially like the kind of color shifting where it's kind of a grayish green um, to really enforce the real ominous vibe um, and to, to really enforce the idea that like, you know, this is the apocalypse and it almost forces the, uh, the illusion of the virus being spread airborne. Um, which I thought was a really nice touch and just really continuing to to push that that vibe that the record is trying to go for. Yeah, I feel like this just did such a good job of representing a zombie apocalypse or a zombie outbreak without mm-hmm. actually showcasing any zombies on the cover. Um, I feel like that would have been just too gratuitous, and I yeah. really appreciate the fact that they did it where it was just showcasing that the world it just gave the impression of a desolate and hallowing wasteland terrorized by the horde without Mm -hmm. actually showing the horde and i feel like that added more value to it than just having the undead laying this sitting there on the screen whether they were a pile of dead bodies or if they were chasing or attacking somebody yeah and i think the 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 idea that it was also showing it just be a completely empty field it just enforces the idea that you know, the humanity has to hide from these things to try and it's really survive. And so having it just be completely empty really uh, helps in showing that, you know, that this is, this is what the world's become. Everybody's in hiding and trying to, trying to survive and the world's just not the same. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, following that then, uh, kind of just starting it all over and talking, uh, having the same points about Z2 here, um, what were your overall impressions from Z2? Now, I know that we discussed these a little bit uh, when we had uh, reviewed the stream that they had done the week prior to its release. Mm-hmm. Um, have they changed? What uh, kind of additional thoughts did you have on that? So actually, after um, listening to the EP in its entirety, um, is I've actually kind of come to the, um, I guess, understanding, but also realization 
is the Divorce Prada is very much a better live band than a record band. Um, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy listening to their records, but I find them to just sound better live, and it uh, it allows the the band to kind of show off a little bit more. I feel like Mike's voice is um, better live, and then Jeremy as well. Um, I uh, found some disagreements there, <laughs> <laughs> and and I can I can find you know kind of understand that, but I actually found myself disappointed um and i think part of it was actually a little bit of overhyping myself um because as you know as we all know is i'm a big devourist prada fan and i've been for for a long time um and just hearing the the clips that they put out and just hearing how disgustingly nasty it sounded i was like dude i'm, I'm beyond stoked about it um and i think it was just because the record wasn't that bludgeoningly heavy all the way through front to back like the first cp was and especially as they were kind of painting it like this is the heaviest music we put to date put out to date and i was just sitting there like oh my god this is gonna be disgusting and just not getting that um i, I found myself la you know disappointed and kind of um missing something Okay. Yeah. Fortunately, I didn't overhype myself, so I really enjoyed this record. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, no, because I sent you a lot of clips from. You did. So I ignored I was... half of them. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair. Yeah. But w when they announced it, I was really concerned that it was just going to be a blatant ripoff or a, a cash grab from Z1, which mm -hmm. objectively is like one of their most popular, more popular items that they've ever released. Yeah. And um, I, I honestly couldn't have been more pleasantly wrong. Like it felt like an appropriate continuation of Z1 with uh, appropriate callbacks while still incorporating the ways that the Devil Wars Prada has grown over the years. Yeah. When watching it on the live stream, like every song was my new favorite until they started playing the next one. And everything on the stream translated very well to what I heard on the actual EP. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was, it's definitely a strong contender for one of my top releases of the year. Really? Yeah, so far of what has come out in between January 1st and now, it's definitely up there in like a contender for top 10. Okay. No, I can I can respect that. Um, since we're kind of, you know, looking at some of the impressions, let's talk music. What are you thinking? So this definitely saw the return of Heavy The Devil Wars product. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as heavy as the first one, and I, I don't agree with them. That's the heaviest to date. Yeah. It absolutely is still heavy, though, and it's I a think... very welcome return from what they did on the act that's fair yeah no and i think when i kind of look at it is the heaviest that they've put out to date maybe in like tuning but um you know at least <laughs> musically um is it wasn't quite as as heavy as some of their older material and you really i think where the heaviest was was between about roots and dead throne um mm -hmm. is really about in that era was that their heaviest um, and the nice thing is, and they actually made a comment on this when they announced it is, um, and the band had said that a goal we had for this EP was to pay tribute to Z1 while honing in on the characteristics that we enjoy about heavy music today and the directions we want to see it heading. Mm -hmm. um, so we do see some remnants of the act and just some of the heaviness that they had brought in with um, songs like The Thread and being probably the heaviest song and even uh, Spiderhead to some extent. Um but you see that it's there is an evolution, and it shows that there's been some time since that came out, and you can kind of see how things have kind of stewed with them. Um, I noticed a little bit. I got a little bit of transit blues vibes, just very, very subtly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another thing that I noted on here um, is just the lack of orchestral um, elements that mm -hmm. were implemented in Z two, as well as the lack of sound bites. Um, I feel like both of those really played a part in the. 
uh, atmosphere building of yeah. Z1. And without that being present in Z2, I feel like it kind of lost a little bit of that element. Mm-hmm. And so while that was... It, it was still a very good representation of continuing what Z1 did and, and like what you had said, the continuation of heavy music and what they want to see moving forward. I feel like they did a good job of that. Yeah. But I feel like the orchestral elements and the sound bites and additional techno elements and stuff like that, I feel like that would have helped bridge that gap a little bit further while still keeping the album fully unique to, to from Z1. Yeah. And I think the nice thing too is one of the one of the biggest pluses about Z2 is as I listen to it is because it wasn't just a wall of sound in some ways like Z1 is is it allowed everything to kind of have its own identity and mm-hmm. kind of breathe. And it didn't feel like there was just so much coming at you at once. So it was nice to be able to kind of, you know, relax, like not relax because it's not soothing music. You're not going to go and sleep to it, but it's, you know, you, you might you, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you're able to, you know, things are able to, to breathe a little bit. You're able to hear the guitar a little bit better. You're able to pick up some of the, the atmosphere that might be built, built from the keys. So it's, you know, it, it again, it's just it's just not a wall wall of sound and you're you're not going to feel like your brain's going to explode because there's so much happening. Absolutely. Like Z1 was just really centered around double bass groove and and tremolo picking like mm-hmm. all the way through. And, and it absolutely created the identity for it. And I'm, I'm in love with that. This yeah. Z2 was really more along the lines of uh, really chuggy and groovy. Yeah. Um, and instead of kind of just that onslaught. So it, it really, like you said, it allowed each instrument to have its own identity. And I feel like that was a, a proper way to continue on through it. I just really miss those orchestra vibes. And I mean, it didn't have a shotgun soundbite in there. So zero out of 10. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> honestly, they also didn't have the chainsaw either. So yeah. that's I got to hear that. But I think the other thing is when you look at the music is there was a major difference in the lineup of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to Z1 is the band lineup we have is Mike Karanika. We have Jeremy DePoister, Chris Ruby, Daniel Williams, Andy Trick, and James Bainey. Um, Chris being lead guitar, Daniel being drums, Andy on bass, and then James on the keyboards and synthesizers. And then we look at the band now, and then, you know, just for some references, this is August 23rd of 2010 that Z1 is released. Mm -hmm. Z2 was released here on May 21st of 2021. And the band lineup is Mike Karanika, Jeremy DePoister. Um, We have Kyle Cypress on lead guitar, and it um, it shows us some credit for backing vocals as well as production. We have Mason Nagy on bass, and this is actually the first release with Mason since mm-hmm. he's joined the band. Um, Jonathan Gearing, who's uh, got um, credit for keyboard synthesizer, backing vocals as well as production, and then Giuseppe Capalpo on drums. Um, so you see that there's a major difference in who's in the band. The only consistency is Mike and Jeremy, yeah. um, which are both the vocalists and then Jeremy on rhythm guitar. And really, you see that's brought to the forefront as well as you listen to the grooves on guitar and um, and how much Kyle's style differs from what Chris had put out with them. Um, and he was in the band up until just shy of Space EP. 
And so you hear that his style is a little bit more of kind of, you know, and I, I don't want to say say this negatively, but more of like the general, the, the generic metalcore kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle brings this little bit more groovy style. And I think he's actually brought up that he's a, a bit more influenced by punk. Um, so that's brought in some more. And then Giuseppe, you just listen to his drumming style and it's vastly different from Daniel. He's able to keep up with Daniel's material and play some of the older, faster stuff. But the grooves that he plays are ju- are on a whole nother really plane of existence. Yeah, they they, they definitely exist more in the um, instead of just a straight metal core, like they incorporate a lot more of the uh, polyrhythms and odd timings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I really like that. I actually really like Giuseppe as a as a drummer mm-hmm. in general. That that was a very just good like indication that like obviously the sound's going to change when you're having two thirds of the band being replaced mm-hmm. like no exactly. obviously the sound is going to change yeah and i think one you know and one of the one of the big bands that their influences on these guys is dillinger escape plan mm-hmm. um and you're you're really starting to hear that bleed through and you're starting to see that that influence prop, pop up a lot more than it would have in the early days definitely um speaking of additional changes the lyrics on z2 i found them to be a lot simpler and a lot mm-hmm. less wordy than they were on Z1. Z1 was really focused on um, just kind of just this whole narrative for the, those three songs. But then, like, Anatomy was just a lot of one-liners and, and just mm-hmm. kind of describing the uh, anatomy of a zombie. Escape was really just painting the idea of running in different ways from the zombie horde. Um, whereas Z2 is more... I don't really know the way to put it. I, I feel like it's just more of a... Uh, uh, I don't know. Help me out here. <laughs> so, so the the simplicity, I definitely caught that as well. Um, and actually, the uh, in the same statement for um, that I had referenced earlier is the band had stated before there were five songs about how to fend off the apocalypse. Now there are five songs of hopelessness against the horde. Um, and really, it lines up. Um, if, as we break down Nightfall some more, is it actually has the line "We sleep in anticipation, we awake in total fear," which you see that they're they're painting this picture of the the zombie apocalypse has been happening for a while and it's the hopelessness that people are starting to feel and it's that constant fear of like are we are we actually safe um so seeing that seeing that um seeing their ability to go and tell this story in less words but equally as well um, or if if not in some ways better than the first Z um, zombie EP is a really nice showing of you know how the band is capable of writing lyrically and musically. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And, and to be clear, none of what I said is meant to be in a bad way. Like, oh no, no, absolutely not. Was just different. Mm-hmm. And yep. I feel like that's just another way of showcasing how they've evolved as a band over eleven years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the I think especially going in um, by by being able to tell the story in less words is it allows them to um, not not have the lyrics be the only thing that build the atmosphere, uh, but it also it's like you know the the lyrics can paint the picture very clearly, and it also allows everything else to kind of fall in line and paint the picture just as just as well. True. But, um, no, I agree with you. And then speaking of painting pictures, the uh, the album cover for Z2. Uh, so this is going to showcase uh, what appears to be a rundown church, giving the impression of like minimal use throughout the years since the outbreak. Mm-hmm. Uh, how'd you feel about this? 
I actually really like this um, kind of just looking at it in the concept of, you know, survival during the apocalypse is, you know, kind of as you're if you're trying to look at it from a, a survival perspective is, you know, and it's you're you're not really looking to kind of take care of various buildings unless it's your home. Um, like you're just kind of more worried, like. I need to make sure I can fend off the the horde. I need to be able to know that I'm safe. Um, and it just shows that this apocalypse has been going on for a while. And it's just the, um, well, I'm trying to think of the, um, just how, how the world looks with mm-hmm. this sort this really run down, um, you know, just things being run down and not be, getting that care, like you said. Um, so I, I really think that it's a, a good way to, tie into what the band had stated is they're trying to tell with the narrative of this record and also show that it's not completely the same story that they're telling with the first zombie EP. Yeah. Yeah. I, I took it from a little bit different of an approach. Um, so I looked at it as if um, like it gives the concept of revisiting God to fight the battle mm-hmm. um, where it's in a time of hopelessness, despair um, and, and wretchedness. Like a lot of people will turn to whatever they view as a God. So whether that be a, uh, a metaphysical or religious version of a God or um, whatever it is they held in high esteem prior mm-hmm. to. And so it was kind of revisiting that like, Hey, there's all this hopelessness. There's this despair. Um, I need to turn to something that I feel is bigger than me. Uh, so I feel like utilizing uh, a rundown church for that kind of gave that impression like that nobody has really been doing this for this amount of time. It's about time that we kind of got back to that because of just the situation that we're in, that no man can solve this. Maybe God can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was the way that I approached it. And then I appreciated that it followed suit of Z1 by not including any zombies on the cover, which absolutely was the right call. Like it yeah. showcased the fact that it was in a zombie apocalypse without showcasing any zombies on it. Yeah, and, and I uh, think the not having it just humans in general, yeah. not having that on it, just kind of keeping it almost minimalistic in a way, um, just continued to to show that they are able to do that correctly and do it well. Exactly, absolutely. But from here, we'll go ahead and move into the track-by-track breakdown. So first, we're going to break down the tracks uh, from Zombie EP, which is the first one released in 2010. Uh, starting off with Escape. As we've uh, alluded to before, this song is all about just running from zombies and everything. Um, Matt, how did you feel about the opener on this one? So, the let me tell you, the, the zombie EP where, um, you know, and kind of alluding to a little bit of what we'll talk about on the Z2, is this record um, is it has a lot of different intros and outros that allow, you know, allow these songs to breathe. Um, you listen to the beginning of this song and it's a, a soothing rain and thunder with an almost orchestral um, arrangement. And you get that for the first 45 seconds. And honestly, once that 45 seconds stops, you will not know peace for the rest of this. <laughs> you will not know a single ounce of peace. So you you get this, you know, this build from the orchestral and you hear the snare hits. And once that snare hits completed is Mike comes in with this almost lion roar of a, a vocal and the the guitars and everything just get pushed to the front. Imagine being at a metal show. The band comes up on stage and everybody just wants to get really close to the stage. That's what the sound does to you. Yeah. Um, and it's just 
it comes in and there there's no stopping really for the almost the entirety of the song the only time that it kind of pulls back is during the chorus where jeremy actually kind of comes in and it almost the it almost sounds as it almost anthemic in mm-hmm. a way because of how how big the chorus goes and you get the chorus and mike comes back with this roar before all of a sudden you hear it goes just dead quiet the a shotgun loading <laughs> and just a breakdown that's oh my disgusting. god they're everywhere <laughs> it's the this song is an absolute banger of a beginning to this record and it, it's very quickly sets the tone on what to expect yeah th- th- this song goes from zero to 60 in nothing flat like mm-hmm. it finishes off the rain and thunder and orchestra and just kind of starts ramping up and then it brings in like these more dissonant uh harmonics and uh then it just hits you in the face exactly it just hits you in the face and you won't know what day it is for the next about 48 hours <laughs> Sounds uh, about right. yeah like the, it's just the the lyrics from the song like just describe it perfectly don't bother mm-hmm. screaming don't bother crying ignore all hope for mercy yeah like it's just an amazing way to open up the record and it, it like you said it sets the tone for what's to come if you listen to this song, you know what's coming, but you also want more. Yep. And thank God there's four more songs because you get more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> so and then it leads into Anatomy. Um, how did you feel about this one? They have no chill. It starts with literally the, the revving of a chainsaw. And this is where you really hear how similar the guitar tone sounds to a chainsaw because when the riff comes on and it's actually over a, a, the chainsaw revving and it, it's disgusting, this is a song where as soon as it starts at a Devil Wears Prada show, the entire room, mm-hmm. uh, the energy in the room changes. Um, start to finish, it's just... It, it's a blitzkrieg, really. There, there really is no time that you get a chance to breathe. Um, the chorus, maybe, but it's still high enough tempo that you're like, I, I, when do I stop? Like, yeah. are we still going? Yeah. The the chorus uh, also showcases some mild techno elements that, like, mm-hmm. so it's still reminiscent of like what they've done in the past from it. But it it's just done sporadically enough that it's given room to breathe. It's not like when we had discussed Darko last week, where it's just an onslaught of these techno riffs the whole time through, yeah. and it, it it provides it actually adds something. It seasons the song without mm-hmm. taking away from it. It just adds that little extra. That's that's really nice to hear. Um, yeah, it, the the song is straightforward. It's just a bunch of one liners about the anatomy of zombies and mm-hmm. the the versions of zombies that the Devil Wears Prada are are really referencing mm-hmm. um yeah there's they're, really all that i have here for it just the the dissonant chugs are disgusting and mike's shrieking is just out of this world i think honestly that opening riff to the song might be the most iconic riff from the ep if not potentially the most iconic riff from the band um yeah. and if it's not the most iconic riff from the band it's definitely up in the top probably five for sure um so up next we have outnumbered <laughs> and um the the beauty of the start to this one is that kind of PSA um it just kind of talk you know it as it sounds as if it's something you would hear in a radio transmission um and outside of that Gabe why don't you just lay it on me the the opening soundbite is just harrowing 
like when you hear that like it's just the the, the virus has devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and is spreading rapidly we only know one method to kill them it's destroy the brain this is not a test this is not a joke we as a species are overwhelmed we are outnumbered and then it just <laughs> exactly it just comes in <laughs> with no mercy whatsoever and it's just one of those things like because this is like the the lead song that they had opened up uh, that they had released for the yep. um, for the album to or for the EP to to tease it, and it's just otherworldly. Like th- th- this song is absolutely the peak of the record. Mm-hmm. It's my second favorite song, and I'll discuss that here in in, in a minute. But um, it's it's a very small margin. Let me be real here. <laughs> yeah, it's just it brings in more of the narrative element where it's just, oh my god, this is we're overwhelmed what are we going to do? Yeah. It, it begins like, obviously escape has that terrifying vibe to it that you're running from something, but you can run from something and it not be a threat to humanity. Yeah. This is more of a, um, instead of terror, it, this is more of a doom aspect of it mm-hmm. where this is, we have no recourse. Like we are all going to die unless something is done. And yeah. I don't know what that something is. Uh, how, what were your thoughts on it? It's the, one of the things I will say, like it's, it's an absolute fan favorite, and honestly, every time I've heard these guys play it live, is I've it's just grin ear to ear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the as I, I kind of inspect listen to the songs a little bit more, um, you know, more in depth as opposed to how I had before. Is I noticed is there was um, kind of from a technicality perspective, so there were a lot of time changes in that verse. Mm-hmm. Um, is they they really don't you know it keeps it from the the song ever re- getting stagnant, but can considering how much is coming at you like there's there's no way it could get stagnant it's just oh there's a change but it, it there's just so much happening so it like you you can't sit there and ever really get bored of it because it's there's something new coming and it's like okay it just suddenly got like mike's doing this and now he's doing this and why is there a change like it, it's just <laughs> there's so much coming it's it's an organized chaos, and I love it. I love it so much. Oh, for sure. The the, the chorus on this song is just mint. Like mm-hmm. it, it, there there is no better way to describe it. it. It is just front to back. This song is just perfection. Yeah, and I, and the the cool thing is with the choruses, and it's not something that we've typically seen from the at least up to this point. The Devil Wears Prada do is it's more Mike on the chorus and then Jeremy's just kind of backing him mm-hmm. up. So it's really this song's really just kind of sh- letting Mike just just be a terror. Mm-hmm. Um and I I think really what this EP did it was it was just kind of like hey Mike um sound like the devil. I he just <laughs> he just came in. Um it, oh. but it's it, this I I definitely love this one. You know what I love more than Outnumbered though? What do you love more than Outnumbered? The next song Revive. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so th- th- this is my favorite song on the record. I'm assuming yep. Yep, it's, yep. that's the same way. <laughs> yeah, th- this song encapsulates encapsulates everything that I loved about this record. Like it has sound bites, it's hallowing terror-filled orchestrals and just brutally heavy riffs. Like mm-hmm. the chorus is stupid catchy and legible. Um, and the piano riff at the end was one of the main reasons that I ever wanted to touch a keyboard again. Like from beginning to end, it's a masterpiece and it helped the concept flow more into a narrative as it moves into survivor. Yeah. Like just beginning to end on this song. I love every second of it. 
Yeah, no, and it was funny. So with the song is it was actually initially it was actually one of my le- least favorites. Uh, but it was actually funny enough. There was a live video from when the Devil Wears Prada was here in Arizona, and it was on their Zombie Five tour. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, cool! I love Zombie, and so I was actually able to watch it. And the blah that he does in the <laughs> middle, and especially live, is I sat there and I listened to it, and it was just. I don't know what he what his voice is made of, but I sat there and I'm like, "What is this song?" And I actually listened to it. And I'm like, "No, I think this is my favorite now." Yeah. And it's, I mean, like you said, it's you know, it really encapsulates everything that the record's done. Um, and the verse actually reminds me a lot of Danger Wild Man and how kind of the, that almost triumphant kind of sound that's kind of mixed in with it. Um, and as you said, the the final chorus has it. It comes into Jeremy just by himself, and then the piano just takes over and just plays the melody um, to close out the song before the the sound bite of uh, somebody sitting there trying to shoot you know a shotgun at these hordes that are that are coming to to overrun mm-hmm. them um, them um, and it's just a beautiful beautiful song just front to back it's it's heavy it's got nothing nothing felt forced everything no. just felt organic yeah everything about the song is fantastic mm-hmm. uh, for me and then finally it, it leads into uh the song survivor which is going to be closing out the album uh matt how are you feeling on this one in hindsight um looking at the re- this song now is i feel like this is the biggest indicator for what's to come um, is I feel like this really kind of sets the tone for what we would expect in Dead Throne, which came out uh, just over a year after this. Um, it was kind of late fall, fall-ish time of 2011. Um, and I think with the, the Devil Wears Prada's current sound, with Mike doing the, the alternating screaming and yelling vocal style, is I think that makes this song just 20 times better. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, again, because it, it feels... So it feels like something that the Devil Wears Prada would have written back in 2015. Um, it just just feels right. Um, yeah, the, the 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 dissonance and despair put into this song are just unparalleled by the previous songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lyrically, it just you feel it throughout the entire song. Yeah, uh, the it's very strictly a narrative uh about about a survivor and it's just super sludgy and heavy mm-hmm. and um I, I was reading an interview that mike had done and he was saying that this is the only song on the record that uh chris the guitarist at the time had uh, written on bass instead and so that's why we hear some of those uh, just bass and drum like tribal sounds yeah um so that we see that present throughout this and i feel like that's just he- what helps set this song apart from the rest of them Mm -hmm. it still absolutely belongs on the record but it is different than the rest of them yep and it definitely has its own identity and like you know as we as we reference like anatomy and outnumbered where it's just this really fast and just in your face is this one seems to pull back quite a bit and i think that's what allows the the narrative to really bloom um and it's a very bass driven um, song and you definitely hear the bass kind of take over in multiple aspects and especially the breakdown at the end yes. which is just nasty nasty yeah and honestly to finish off our, our discussion on this record i want to read some of the lyrics uh from that song it's yeah. uh, uh will anything get better for me i have watched the world die all i know now is regret will the sickness ever leave the world i have watched the world die all i know now is regret i am haunted i am haunted by this sur- by all that surrounds me I have watched the world die. All I know now is regret. What I have known has been, uh, what I have known 
has been taken from me. I have watched the world die. All I know now is regret. I will never see through this nightmare. I will never know sunlight again. I will never see through this nightmare. I will never taste her lips again. And if that just doesn't paint a picture of despair and, and anguish, I don't know what does. <laughs> it's 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 a very, very sad narrative that's that's told. And, you know, as, as we had kind of alluded, is it, you know, it talks about this survivor who lost their wife um, two years ago. And we it's never stated if it was from the the uh, the zombies. It is or stated. Oh, it is. It, it is absolutely stated. So give me just a second. Keep okay. going. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but the other thing that I actually noticed with the chorus is it reminded me a lot of Lord Zenu um, from With Roots Above and Branches Below, which, um, for those who may not know, is the final track um, and, and the, the sort of anthemic um, uh, way that the, the chorus is presented. Um and then it comes back into what's exactly similar to the intro where it's um, Mike over a, uh, a rolling of the snare and it's just him screaming, I am one of the last few standing, a survivor on a farm. Mm-hmm. Um, and just kind of doing that before it really builds into this kind of slow, sludgy riff. And he, you know, he starts to kind of push like we're, we're about to hit something and then the breakdown just... Yep. So, so in that lyric section is where it actually does discuss okay. how the wife died. So, um, it's, I'm one of the last few standing, a survivor on a farm just along the outskirts of a small city. No one living has been within this house since my wife died two years ago. Another okay, uh, another occasion of when the dead, un- I can't speak today. No one living has been within this house since my wife died two years ago. Another occasion of when the undead came across some innocence. Okay. Okay. So, so then it, I, I it, it was very the lyric then. Yeah. So it, it was very um like a uh, interpretive, mm-hmm. but more or less that's exactly what it said. Yeah. No. Okay. So that that makes sense. So it, it was just like I I hadn't fully fully painted the picture, but um like the 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 you know that breakdown and it's just a real bass heavy, mm-hmm. and then it comes in um and the last probably thirty forty seconds is um like a kind of a, a sound bite and it almost sounds like the it's a, it almost paints a, a feels like it's trying to paint hope in in this horde because it kind of becomes very cheery and it almost looks like a, a movie scene where um or at least kind of a cartoon scene where you're looking at a, a green grass field and the like kind of like light orbs coming mm-hmm. up is it kind of it kind of like imbues that sort of vibe until to until the grass slowly begins to die and the child laughter fades mm-hmm. into just this terrifying mm-hmm. horror ridden yeah. uh, image and it, it's it's a lot it's a lot of different things happening at the same time and it you know it, it paints this idea that there's a possibility of hope but not and it's like an ear like it's almost unsettling and it's like i i don't believe that this is actually how i'm supposed to feel Mm -hmm. so before we move into z2 uh matt on a scale of one to eight tentacles how do you feel about just z1 here seven and a half out of eight this is there there's a reason this is one of my top 10 favorite records of all time and it's just front to back it's it's beautiful you know it's it's beautiful in how dark and disgustingly heavy it is um and it just shows really what the devil is prada um 
is to me and just again shows that that heaviness that they're capable of doing um and haven't quite returned to in their um over over time but they've they've definitely hinted to and it's just one of those those times in their in their career that i i always come back to with a smile on my face and i'm absolutely willing to go back to i'm gonna call you weak here I'm giving it a straight eight out of eight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is a full octopus right here. <laughs> that's okay. I think that's the first full octopus that's been put on the show. It, it, it is. Yes. So congratulations. <laughs> we made it to episode 10. It only took us to episode eight to get one out of 10, one out of eight, but uh, here we are in episode 10 or episode 11, whatever this is yeah, anymore. <laughs> not, not very long after. Um, so next up, we'll just kind of d- jump right into Z2. Um, and just jump into the track by track breakdown. Um, and Gabe, I'll let you take this one off with the first song, Nightfall. So the Devil Wars product comes just straight out the gate with Mike delivering his lows again with power and ferocity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really nice to hear Mike actually being able to scream properly again when it was on the stream because, like, the previous stream before that, and then the uh, the Z2 stream, the first half of it, like, it just felt like he was just not there and it just felt like it was going to be a, a repeat of a uh, space EP or a repeat of their live performances in those in between years. And then he just comes out the gate and it just sounds like he's back. And that, so that was a really nice thing to hear. And I'm glad that that translated over to the, uh, the actual tracks themselves. Um, lyrically addressing the concept of fighting the zombies at night, which was pretty straightforward. Um, most zombie books and movie tropes are going to be fighting them at night rather than broad daylight. Um, and just it adds to the terrifying element, and I mean they introduce pick scrapes, which is always fun. I I'm a big fan of pick scrapes. Yep. <laughs> and uh, they rise at night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. What um, about you, Matt? So this one is we we definitely, as you said, is very quickly we find out um, that this is not the same entity as the first zombie EP. Literally, as soon as you hit the play, is Mike, you hear him and it's just um, again it's immediate so there's not you know it's not giving you the chance to like oh there's you know this 45 seconds i mm-hmm. can oh enjoy the the soothing right no 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 we're we're getting right to it um and really the most assaulting part is mike's vocals who we we definitely see has enjoyed the time being away from being on the road as much as the devil's prada has mm-hmm. um so being able to hear that and then along with the band um, changing tempos throughout and being able to each show off kind of aspects of what they do. Um, and now with Kyle Cypress being the lead guitarist, as you start to, you know, you again see that very different um, riff style as opposed to the material that was put out with Chris. And even from the act, as you hear a a different riff style that he's doing mm-hmm. um this so that that's definitely a nice piece um my biggest gripe um and i kind of find this throughout the rest of the record is i kind of feel like when jeremy comes in is it feels in a way forced and it it feels as though the the songs are being taken too far in this different direction and it, it just doesn't feel like it fits properly in most of the songs. Um, it's nice that it allows the song to slow down a little bit and breathe. Um, it just doesn't. It feels like they, they shouldn't have pulled it down so low in tempo. Okay. Fair enough. 
Um, then it leads into Forlorn, which is going to be the second track on the album. Matt, how are you feeling on this one? This one, um, and then just a quick note, because this was actually the only, at least so far, the only music video they've put out, and mm-hmm. it was actually released the day that the record dropped. Um, when I heard this live, I initially listened to the opening riff, and it's kind of a odd riff at least kind of in, in regards to timing mm-hmm. but as soon as everybody else comes in is it just may it makes sense yeah oh um, absolutely and it it, it's a really groovy riff i really like how um that paired with the drums and then you hear um mason's bass playing is really brought to the forefront you hear it a lot in the live stream as well and just kind of the the cohesion of it and just how nicely nice it is um I like how it feels uh, very similar to the thread, uh, but it's uh, a little bit pulled back. It's uh, the thread just with a little bit less of the bite, uh, but it allows again. It really sh- is more showing what the band is capable of doing as opposed to just being heavy, 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 and just more like, "Hey, here's some groove. Hey, here's some heavy. Here's a little bit of this," and you know, again, yeah. showing what the band can do for sure. And um, this is where I began noticing the the less wordy lyrics and in comparison with z1 Mm -hmm. um there's also the lyrical callback callback to z1 with the uh, biblical devastation uh line um that was a callback to if i remember correctly i want to say it was revive that sounds about right Um, yeah but basically he's just talking about biblical devastation there he used the exact same phrase here in forlorn as well Mm -hmm. which i thought was just kind of a nice touch um I thought honestly the chorus broke up the song nicely, even though it's like really abrupt. Yeah, and like it still fits the song really well, and then just lets hell break loose coming out of those choruses. Um, and and as you mentioned before, the song also gave me like some of just the act vibes really mm-hmm. like throughout the entire thing. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things is we kind of see it sprinkled out throughout the EP is we definitely see the um the 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 crumbs being laid from the act that kind of kind of um yeah they didn't completely abandon us. it, but at the same time like. Like, there's elements of it that are, of it that are in there, and I, I appreciate that. Mm, yep. And then I think you know, and um, I you also see a little bit of transit blues pop up, and it's a little bit more in the um some of the riff style, mm-hmm. while it's still a lot more progressive and uh, heavier than transit blues was. Is you do see the groundwork that had been laying at that point as well. Um, after Forlorn is we have Termination, which was the first song that was released to kind of tease the record, mm-hmm. um, which is funny because this is song number three and outnumbered was song yeah, three. In the I'm, first... I'm almost certain that they did that on purpose. <laughs> I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> yep. So I'm I'm pretty sure that this is my favorite song. <laughs> really? Yeah. So the the chorus on this one just gets me hyped. Like the when it's both Jeremy and Mike just going ham screaming. Mm-hmm. We didn't choose violence. Yep. Like I just loved that so much. And, um, the, it just really got the, got the feeling of despair from the characters and the situation of the lyrics. And I, I wrote down the lyrics here. It's a, uh, we all did our best. We didn't choose violence. The exit is infection. We've met our, we've met our termination. And then like, uh, when it goes from the post chorus in the post chorus into the bridge, the no one should want to kill, but they were the first to die. All sentiment has been lost. We've been we've met our termination. It just it really says it all. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I when I was reading something uh, that Mike had been talking about this, it was kind of uh, paralleling itself with the uh, selfish nature of people in the midst of our own pandemic right now, and how people would respond to a virus currently as opposed to. Uh, in in a zombie apocalypse so uh it was kind of interesting to see that juxtaposition going on and i just i 
can't get enough of this chorus and the breakdown just lets loose. I love oh, it so much. Yeah, no, I, it's that, that breakdown at the end. And that was actually one of the, uh, the, the build into the breakdown and the, the kind of first few seconds of it was one of the, the first teaser I think they put out for the entire record. Um, and that really just like, it's, because they put out that um, that as the teaser is they know what they're doing. Oh, they for know sure. how to market. <laughs> and I the the song has definitely grown on me the more I've listened to this EP. Um, it definitely it's it doesn't take the cake for my favorite though. Um, it's a very small margin between this one and Nora, which we'll go into next. Yep. And I'm assuming that's probably Nor, your favorite. Nor is yeah. mine. I have to, and I, I kind of figured that out j- during the live stream. Um, and we'll definitely dig into that. Um, I do like how the it starts out heavy, and then it kind of, um, you know, there's a slightly slower portion of the verse where it kind of, um, you know, that's where we start to really see a little bit more of like the act come in, where it's a, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the instrumentals take a little bit of a backseat, and it allows Mike to to really push the narrative. Um, and I do like the um, really how Mike and Jeremy can sometimes do choruses and have the two of them active at the same time. This song being one outnumbered. Mm-hmm. Um, we've I, one of my favorite choruses of all time is Lord Zenu, which is off of Roots. Um, so being able to see them, you kind of being being able to work so well in tandem. Um, I think it was a really nice thing and my, you know, again, Mike's vocals on this are just, yeah, it just absolutely disgusting. And it, it just, the breakdown leaves nothing to be desired, just cleans up the song in such just a beautifully abominable way. Mm-hmm. Like it, it just, I, I honestly can't say enough good things about this song. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a solid one. Now, Nora, which I believe is just the most solid is I really look at this as somewhat of a spiritual successor to Survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, and wh- this one doesn't close out the record as Survivor did, but this is very much the most narrative-driven of the release as it follows a specific individual. Um, Survivor, we saw the individual who living on the farm kind of fighting the, the zombie horde by himself and very isolated and um, really becoming depressed from the isolation. And then we in this one, we actually follow Nora specifically and throughout the lyrics is you see is how much of a toll that living in this apocalypse is just really taking its toll on her body um there's a part where it's she's covered in like cut you know cuts and bruises and um they um it references a line where they're after her blood talking about the beast trying to eat her flesh um and i i knew from the um from the live stream is this would be my favorite and on the record this absolutely took it for me yeah, so this one gives Termination a run for its money um, with the bridge alone, the the bridge into that breakdown where mm-hmm. it's just like the just scrapey kind of high uh, power chord guitars. Like it just, I can't get enough of it. Yeah, and I really wish that it continued on a little bit longer, just because I loved it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it it's held back. I feel like by the chorus a little bit. Um, I feel like it just it drops down too low for the way that the rest of the song uh, is. Okay. Um, it, it can still drop down. I feel like it just went a little bit too low. Yeah. And, uh, and kind of just fair. that abrupt stop. Um, that doesn't mean that it's bad by any means. I just feel like that's kind of what began holding it back from mm-hmm. uh, termination for me personally. But um, the song is beautifully written, just like a putrid, horrific way. And it really paints a picture of, of a young girl uh, trying to survive in the midst of such a dire situation. Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's just... The, the way that the lyrics describe her and how it's affecting her body. Like, whereas 
in the survivor really talked about more of the mental side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, this really discussed some of the physical things because we know that the mental side of things is just going to be anguish and despair and pain uh, as we saw in Z1. So I feel like this was a, a good, like you said, spiritual successor to it. Yeah. It doesn't have anything specifically to do with it. It doesn't uh, discuss it or have any sort of other ties other than just the fact that it's actually a narrative written about a specific person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's really where the um, you know where the the comparisons kind of end is. Really, it's like outside of following a, a specific individual, is there's you know it, it doesn't really have any other ties, and that's that's one of the beauties about this EP is it you know it it makes those callbacks to the first, it, but it goes and it says. I am my own thing, you know. You can you can make the comparisons, but I I can stand on my own two feet, kind mm-hmm. of thing, and um, I definitely can get behind that. Now, let's talk about Contagion, which is the closer on this one, and this j- just to kind of you know open up the the conversation is this is the most drastic difference from z1 that we've seen on this entire release Mm -hmm. so i agree and i disagree okay so with the way that this song opens up it very much mirrors the way that survivor did uh or or it mirrors the kind of like the way that survivor ended um so like it it slows it down it brings back the piano and like the interlude and so which would technically in between tracks four and tracks five on z1 yeah it was at the ending of track four this is the beginning of track five so i feel like it mirrored that kind of a bit mm-hmm. um and then just it brings back the haunting nature of the chorus whereas survivor was that just desperate lyric uh the, the lyrics that i had uh, mentioned earlier yeah the opening of, of this is kind of like how can we uh hold our heads up high the slow motion is speeding up like mm-hmm. nothing like we it, it no longer feels like it's in slow motion because it is just is, mm-hmm. and there's no way to get around it. So it's gonna we have to move on with life like this now. Yeah, and so I feel like it it did that in that aspect, but then it just releases into this blistering onslaught. Yep, and that th- th- I understand what you're talking about. Like that's how it begins differentiating. Yeah. I feel like it still mirrors appropriately, but it just. The riff is so good. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that riff definitely feels... It's um, one of my favorites on the record. Yeah. And I, I think that riff feels the most similar to what we saw on Z1, mm-hmm. where everything else has been very groovy and you know similar to like how Forlorn is, um, and just kind of seeing how groovy and almost... I, w- I wouldn't say off-tempo, but a very different... Uh, kind of uh, it's very oddly beat. timed yeah very oddly timed is this one felt a lot more like the the, the riff style that we would have seen in z1 so that was that was a nice little like oh hey that you know that there was the nice familiarity um and then again going back into like how the chorus was for termination is it's mike and jeremy working mm-hmm. it together and it wasn't an abrupt stop like the other song i also really appreciated that this one saw jeremy returning to the high vocals yeah uh, whereas the majority of this record so far had been just jeremy kind of laying low and kind of keeping in a, in a lower register mm-hmm. which he, he still did delivered fine but this just is kind of like one of those iconic metalcore, metalcore things that we see. Right. And we didn't see a lot of that in the beginning four songs of this record. And so it was really nice to see um, him do that again here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he no, obviously I, did it a little bit in termination, but th- this song, it really is present. Yeah. And I think one of the, you know, it's 
over over the years as I believe that him kind of coming into the slightly lower register it allows him to be able to play the songs better live mm-hmm. uh, but I also feel like him being able to show that he's still able to do some of the higher stuff for like similar to the olden days you know minus the auto tune but that's a different conversation for another time <laughs> um is you know it shows that he's capable of still doing that and being able to do it naturally but he's all it shows it really what it's doing is it's showing his range absolutely um, and it, it shows just his his capability um i will say though that little breakdown kind of in that middle end piece where it, just, it was a nice little kind of spicy riffy boy oh, um, man. The, the the out the breakdown and outro are just utterly relentless yeah it, this the, honestly the song and the album really could not have ended ended better mm-hmm. like i just i have here as my final notes upset the sickness yeah <laughs> yeah it's just so good i think in that part is really mike pushing for the highest that he's gotten in years yeah and it like in hearing him do that is i i almost was like are we am I listening to the same guy? Like are we are we talking are am we I still talking about Mike Grant again? <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Um but no, just the way the song ends and how almost anthemic it is is like it sounds like something where if they, you know, if they play this in an actual live environment, was I could see this being a closer to the oh, show absolutely. before they do encores. And I absolutely stand that the thread should be like the the closer closer if they don't play Danger Wild Man. Um, I mean, they're gonna play Danger Wild Man, so. <laughs> um, honestly, Danger Wild Man is a really good opener. Oh, it's like it, song. it's fan- it's an absolute it's banger. another conversation. Yep. Um. So then, uh, reviewing this one here, uh, just Z two by itself, Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, how you feeling on this one? So this one. The more I listen to it, the more I find things that I like, and it's definitely grown on me the more I've listened to it. Um, it's not my favorite release that I've heard by the Devil Wears Prada, but it's not my least favorite. It's not eight eighteen. Um, I would have to <laughs> say I would have to say this is at a five out of eight. Um, again, it's growing on me. Um, and it, it might just be a case where it's just as I listen to it more is a, it, it finds a, a higher place. It's just, you know, not middle of the road, but I, I find the, the things that I like in it um, that kind of pushes it above. So I think five out of eight. So I'm feeling pretty comfortable about okay. what are your what's your rating on this one? I'm kind of in the same boat where like oh, not so much in the same boat. Actually, I'm going to restart this. So I want to put it somewhere in between a six and a seven. Um, okay. I just in history of the show here, I don't like to do point fives or halves just because I feel like that's not committing. So I want to, yeah. I'm, Nobody I'm, likes I'm, a fence sitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at you, Mister Six Point Five, Mister Seven Point Five, every single song. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think I'm going to lean this towards a uh, towards a six here, um, just because of some of the issues that we did discuss here. Um, it doesn't hold the same, and obviously this that was a very different time in my life. It was a different time in your life, but it doesn't hold the same. Um, aura that Z1 had. Right. Um, it's still very good. And as I mentioned before at the beginning here, like this is a contender for my top album of the year. Yeah. I I just, I, I don't want to put it any higher than a six because I feel like at that point I'm just kind of basking in the glow a little bit too much of it just being the Devil Wear Prada and the Devil Wear Prada did mm-hmm. Z1. And I, I just, I don't want that to overshadow that. Yeah. So that's why it sits in between a six and a one. It's a six and a seven, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave it at a six. Okay. And that, that seems like a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, so then but, um, kind of just to 
uh, kind of go off of that a little bit th- further than um, if this were to be, since the both both uh, EPs are five songs, mm-hmm. if we were to put them together, that makes a full album. Yep. How would you, just briefly, how would you see this as an album? As a as a full album is, I would pr- I would probably hold this pretty high. Um, I would probably end up putting it about a six, maybe six and a half out of eight. Um, and it's nobody just, likes we, a fence sitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's gonna probably it's gonna lean a little bit more towards the six. But if I had to go, you know, if we were if we were doing halves, is it would be like six and a half is topping out. Um, and the reason being is because, you know, it's. Well, yes, it's two very similar concepts is there is the difference between the two and, you know, having the two separate identities, um, it, it would kind of, you know, it almost feel like uh, too, it, I want to say too much of a shift, but it's not that drastic of a shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what the Divorce Prada did with both the the original zombie EP as well as this one is they showed that. You know, they can find a concept and they can write about it well. Um, And then especially coming back to Zombie EP is kind of revisiting something they did before and being able to, you know, do do it well and provide a, a, a good successor, really. I would say that I'm probably with you there in the same boat, right around a six out of eight, mm-hmm. um, just because the the way that Z1 affects me personally is not really enough to sustain the fact that z2 doesn't isn't able to quite encapsulate that yeah and i recognize that that a lot of that has to do with the the nostalgia factor i mean with it being 11 years ago now it was in high school for me and it was in high school for for you as well and so that was a very different time it was a very impressionable time and so something as iconic as z1 is going to be a little bit more impressionable on that and it's going to have somewhat of just a a glow overall for us Mm -hmm. um so then trying to look at this objectively between the two albums there's obviously a, a few issues with z2 that i have they're not significant enough for me to say that it's anything close to being a bad album. Mm-hmm. It just isn't there to help bump it up. So as I mentioned before, like it was going to be sitting in between like a six and a seven. It, it was the same thing with Z one. It's going to be sitting between a seven and an eight. And yeah. instead of just trying to average them out, you know, six plus it was the six plus eight divided yeah. by the two is going to bring it to a seven. So that's going to be my rating. I don't want to really do that. I want it to be uh, reasonable. And in, in looking at them is if I were to put them, just smack dab uh, tracks one through five of Z1 and then tracks one through five of Z2, putting those two together in an album like that, the back half is going to cause that to suffer so much more that I, I feel like a six out of eight is going to be the most appropriate response for that. Yeah, no, and honestly, that's that's a that's a fair assessment and, you know, kind of trying to look at it in the same way as pretty much trying to look at it as opposed to, you know, one through five and one through five, but almost like a one through ten. Exactly. Um, so, no, I can, I can completely understand that, so that makes sense. Yeah. But that is going to wrap us up here for our discussion on uh, Z1 and Z2 by the Devil Wars Prada. We do both highly recommend listening to both of these albums Please. as they are just going to be one of those things that we can only talk about so much without actually being able to experience it for yourself. Yeah. So we definitely recommend that. Um, here, But here we are going to be moving on into the hidden track, which is going to be something that we uh, usually will discuss outside of the uh, world of what we just talked about. But today we wanted to do something a little bit different, and we wanted to discuss the uh, Space EP by The Devil Wears Prada, which has mm-hmm. happened in 2015. And I say happened because I hate this album. <laughs> so, like, this is just it, – it unfortunately happened in 2015, and Matt and I have a pretty big disagreeing point on this. Yes. Um, but, but this is the uh, – 
the space themed uh, EP that they had done, kind of riding on the coattails of uh, of Z One. Matt, why don't you go ahead and start us off with that and your thoughts? So with Space EP, um, is one of the things I really liked is, um, you know, they they were returning to a concept album and where Dead Throne was, um, one of the big uh, concepts on that was, and uh, and I'm gonna probably pronounce it incorrectly, but anti idolatry, mm-hmm. um, and then 818 was just a really dark, um, kind of dreary, um, record. That it was kind of a concept record in a way. Um, and I can't remember what exactly their, their big concept was other than the fact that it was just dark and gloomy. Um, space EP kind of returned to the, the visualization, the, the visual conception, con- the visual cons- concept that they were doing with <laughs> zombie one. I literally just had a brain fart and I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, and what really in the, um, the interview that Mike and Jeremy did with Loudwire is Mike had stated, he's like, you know, this is something that we really enjoyed doing. So being able to come back to it was really nice. Um, and this was actually on the tail of Chris Ruby leaving. Um, so we, we do start to see a little bit of a change in the, the writing style of the band. Um, I think it came out with some really good songs. I really like how it opens with Planet A, um, Alien kind of coming back into some of the heavy, heavier side that we know of from the Devil Wears Prada, and then Supernova being the last song that Chris Ruby wrote with the band. Um, and ju- you know, I, I feel like through and through is a, a really solid release. Um, and unfortunately, Gabe is making faces. <laughs> why don't you Why don't you tell us what you're thinking? All right, so. <laughs> this is a hard one for me to put into words because I really don't like this album. <laughs> so just starting off. So whenever I first heard about this album coming out, a, it was told to me incorrectly. It was told, I was told that it was going to be an alien centric EP, which I was super hyped about. And then I was very disappointed at because the only remotely discussed part about aliens on there is the song alien, which doesn't even mention aliens. It's just only in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I mean, for all I know, it could be describing demons or some sort of biblical angel. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so th- 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 that was my issue number one. Now, I understand that that's not really the band's fault. That was more of an expectation part for me. But yeah. going into the record with that expectation and then having that utterly demolished, that already set a bad taste in my mouth. Then um, continuing on, the overall music, um, the like the mixing and the tones that they used, I hated. Okay. Like the tones on Planet A were just I, I I hated them so much. Like the way that they chugged and it just sounded like they were fizzy guitars going through a Line Six amp. Um, and 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 I just obviously I, as a guitarist, I really hate that sound. You do not <laughs> like Line Six. I do not <laughs> line lines, like Line Six, and I will scream it from the mountaintops. <laughs> line Six, please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> um, You're like so, I'm just I, I will shill if you give me free stuff. <laughs> exactly. So. That that was uh, issue number two, and then issue number three was the actual concept uh, idea behind it. So the album never genuinely felt like it was a concept; like it just seemed like a collection of songs that had ethereal uh, uh, synthesizers behind it, mm-hmm. with a 
common space centric idea. Okay. But when I think of a concept album, I think of all these songs working cohesively together and not just this loosely fabricated concept where it's just, we have a theme that we're going with. Here we go. We're going with it. Yeah. Because I mean, by that definition, then we could consider uh, the Royal blood record that we just reviewed a couple weeks ago, where a lot of those had to deal with uh, Mike uh, pulling himself out into sobriety and, Mm -hmm. and out of his addiction. Like, a lot of his songs were about that. That doesn't make it a concept album. Right. Though. And so that that was my one of my biggest issues with this album. And then just coupled with the fact that this really riding off the coattails of Transit Blues, or sorry, not Transit Blues, um, off of 818, um, just made it that much worse. Yeah. Uh, and, and so my, my expectations were really lowered on this one, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's understandable. And honestly, you know, kind of as you bring up about 818 briefly is, it's I have to sit there and probably put it at if not my least favorite, my second least favorite from the band. And it was just it was just not good. Like I think there were maybe two good songs off of it, and one of them was Sailor's Prayer, which is honestly a banger, but um that might be a, another conversation for another time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Going into it, like like I said, I, I wanted an alien EP. I, yeah. I wanted it to be zombies, but I wanted it to be aliens. It's just somebody who really loves that kind of stuff. Love yep. aliens, love UFOs, ufology, all that kind of stuff. Like I just really into that kind of thing, and it, it, it was just a really big letdown. And then we saw that with both the song Alien and the song Asteroid. Like, if it weren't for those titles, would we really conceptually know what the song is? And I know that was really more of a songwriting. Um, a decision that they made mm-hmm. to, to not include that. But at the same time, like if you're going to write that kind of thing, then you don't want to include that on a concept album because you want right. the concept album. You want the concept to be viewed very easily. And with that too, like supernova was a love song. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're the only thing that they were using. The only part about that, that was space was the analogies and the metaphors that they used. Mm-hmm. It didn't really have anything to do with space. It didn't have anything to do with the, uh, the pilot that crash landed on planet a in the first song, it didn't have anything to do with somebody seeing aliens before the supernova. It didn't, the, the celestial mechanics thing was just kind of weird to begin with. And it, that was kind <laughs> of a, that was kind of a weird um, inter interlude. And it was, it was nice that it was only like a minute. So like it keeps, you know, it, it, it kind of allows, it's like, Oh cool. There's uh, you know, something to kind of just like chill out to. Uh, but yeah, no, it was kind of a weird, just, blending of yeah and and again like it was just oh well this is related to space we'll go ahead and just cram it in here it didn't have anything to do with like an actual concept it wasn't part of a narrative the only song that actually had narrative was planet a Mm -hmm. and with how much i hate planet a because of how bad the guitars sound i just i can't listen to it (laughs) okay that makes sense so that's my thoughts on uh, Space EP. Uh, I don't recommend listening to it. Matt recommends listening to I, it. You can I make that decision do. on your own. <laughs> and, and ultimately, if you um, if you guys end up listening to it and you want to give us our thoughts, definitely feel free to drop it on the comments on Podbean. We're also over on Google Podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts. Definitely do like and rate us. And that way, you know, it kind of shows that you guys are enjoying what you're hearing and um that's it um we have a pretty sweet episode coming up next but we don't want to you know tell you what it is we're Uh, gonna tease it a little bit i'm gonna tease it a bit it's gonna be uh we're gonna be discussing leveler by august burns red since we're gonna be uh hitting some throwbacks here we might as well continue on that uh that that surge with the 10th anniversary edition of leveler by august burns red so 
we will uh, chat with you guys next week on that. And we're going to make sure to do some curls and stuff before because we got to get that jiggler size. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Until right, the guys. next time, guys, we'll catch you later. See you later.